Welcome to episode 48 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. John, how you doing this fine night? Not too bad. I only left the house to get Subway and a 12-pack of Pepsi today, so I'm kind of being super lazy, but, you know. That, that sounds like a, a victory. Sacrifices must be made for one's craft. I, I, I guess so. It's so, you can, it. it's so you can get back and play that sweet deck you have on Arena, right? <laughs> Pretty much. But I gotta, I gotta make sure it's not actually terrible, which is, I don't think, I think it's pretty sweet. I think it looks like a sweet deck. Yeah, we've um, uh, so for the people out there who don't know, we've been experimenting. Like, all right, so actually, I'm just gonna go off with this thing really quick. Mm-hmm. So, arena, it only has Ixalan and rivals of Ixalan right now. For those who don't know, it's block constructed. I wish block constructed was more of a format because holy hell has this been more fun than anything (laughs) like i there's oh it's so fun brewing decks in in that tight of a format if that makes sense like all the you have to make some crazy choices for these decks and it's it's so much fun that's actually something that i also really appreciate about block constructed like the format is played so little that the actual ability to brew is really, really powerful. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want block constructed to become a pro tour format again. Because then it, it get, <laughs> yeah, because then it just gets super like, it's defined. Yeah. And that would actually kind of take away a lot of the fun involved in this, which is like this is limited anyways, right? Because eventually they're going to keep adding more and more sets to. Yep arena and then we're not going to be able to actually continue to play just block constructed Sad. but being able to just like kind of like go with what we have from there is really interesting we've we've made some cool decks already in my opinion that like yeah the fact is there like that john deck you have is awesome i don't know just the list looks sweet um and that esper deck we started off just in like straight up uh ixalan like i still love that deck even though it's not as good in rivals yeah but yeah, the only other truly successful at deck I think would have been like the blue black tempo list that I was playing for a while, but that had its weaknesses. Yeah. Like dinosaurs. Yeah, and dinosaurs <laughs> were a big thing in Ixalan, but okay. So we're um uh, we're gonna talk about something that happened two weeks ago when you finally hear this probably. But um so before it we talked about the, the modern PT that had happened. And then we did another episode because we didn't know how everything finished out. Um, the only thing we knew is that I'm really, really good at our PT draft. Um, and now it's finished and we know some stuff. And John, you had, you had some thoughts on this whole, whole thing. Yeah. So it's been a while since we've had a modern pro tour. Mm-hmm. Like a full year. Yeah, because, because things were a disaster last time. Because every time we have a modern Pro Tour, something gets broken, and people just won't accept this. Mm-hmm. This broke that norm by a lot. Nothing is like... So there was this big thing where um, Cardboard Crack, back when he still wrote the comics, which he's done now, unfortunately, he had a comic of, like, you know, watching the Pro Tour with me and all of my friends is really, really awkward. Then the comic was just a bunch of people cheering for decks to not do well because they didn't want their their deck that they played to get banned. <laughs> That's kind of true. That's un 
That that basically is exactly what would happen, right? Uh-huh. And this is probably the first time where that action would be in no way justified. Mm-hmm. There are seven different decks in the top eight. That's pretty dang good. That is more diverse than any top eight I have ever seen. Yeah. Like, standard is nowhere near that diverse. Like, modern has never previously been this diverse. Uh-huh. Yeah. I.e., the last modern pro tour gave us Eldrazi. Yes. Like, it was what, Eldrazi and Affinity were the only decks in the top eight? It was like, yeah, it was something like that. There were like five different flavors of Eldrazi and like two Affinity decks and like yeah. something else or something. Maybe or like maybe it was another Eldrazi deck and I just didn't know. Yeah, El- that, that... Eldrazi Affinity or something. <laughs> Man, that just that just sounds gas. Yeah, right. Colorless tribal. Yeah. Who, who, in a war between the Frexians and the Eldrazi, who who wins? Nobody. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think he would... Uh, uh, we're not going to get into that, but I nope, think we're he not. would find okay. a way. Alright, so... <laughs> lots of decks in the top 8, pretty diverse. Yeah. Um, I think it's, like, they're diverse enough that I think they're, inter- they're like, worth talking about. And yeah. one of them is actually like, super important to talk about because it's causing a lot of drama. And we're probably going to be talking about that for the second part yeah. of this episode. But why don't we... Yeah, why don't we just kind of set a baseline for everything we're going to be talking about here and um yeah hit up these deck lists because there's they're pretty sweet all right so we're, we're just going to start from the top basically so we'll start with the winning deck list which is lantern control mm-hmm. uh <laughs> when i was writing my notes for this episode my immediate thing to follow this up was well shit <laughs> uh Lantern Control is an extremely polarizing deck. Yes. You either hate it, or you think it's the most glorious thing ever, and there's no in-between. Like, Mm -hmm. Lantern Control is the dredge of modern. Even though there's dredge in modern, it's the dredge of modern. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, it's super interesting, like... Like, the the deck's going off of the whole, um... Uh, da, 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 War of Invention package, which has been, like, a relatively new change to the Lantern Control deck. Which I actually really, really like. I actually picked it up, as we said in the previous episode, for uh, a night. Because I, I like decks that have a tutor package in them. Mm-hmm. And I've never played Lantern Control, and I just felt like I should play it so I could understand it and just justify my hatred of prison decks. Which wasn't as bad as I thought it was, wasn't as boring as I thought it was, but we'll kind of get into all that stuff later. Yeah. As a whole, like, the deck's real, the deck is very, very, you know, common. Like, there's nothing really spicy going on. He's playing a main deck, Abrupt Decay, which is not something that happens very much anymore. Mm-hmm. And his sideboard is also like you know basically like the the standard stuff you expect to find in the sideboard of a lantern control deck. Yeah. Nothing really interesting going on there, unfortunately. Okay. So. Um. Now we get to probably my second favorite deck in the top eight. Mm-hmm. Also known as the pile of removal dot deck. <laughs> uh, also, also my. 
winning pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't get a first place, you got a second. That just means I'm not cheating. <laughs> yeah. Uh this one is Jerry Thompson's Mardu Pyromancer deck. Which watching this deck hum is just one of the most beautiful things in the world. Um, I don't remember, it might have been Jerry himself, or it was someone else who's famous that I've heard recently. They, someone asked them, you know, like, what would you want to play at the Pro Tour? And they're like, I'd want to play Mardu because it has, like, it's just a pile of removal. <laughs> Which is everything this deck yep. is. Right? Like, there's a lot of, like, synergy going on with this deck, which is super interesting. Like, this deck was seen a lot on uh, Magic Online top eights, and, or, yeah, like, good finishes and stuff recently. Because, like, it's just, like, slowly gaining ground, and Jerry just kind of, like, took it and, like, did all, like, the finicky stuff with it. And he's made a few changes to it again. Like, he actually has two different deck lists out there, one for Tron, one for not Tron. Uh, depending on how often it's in your meta to see which one he personally, well, you know, which one he would play in various metas. Mm -hmm. uh, he also doesn't necessarily like the deck for something like a Grand Prix, because the the meta game is so open. Like it's easier to predict the meta game at a Pro Tour than it is to predict the meta oh, game yeah. at a Grand Prix. Yeah, that's just life, right? Yeah. So, but like as a, as a whole, I really I I love this deck. Like you, what, get to play what deck runs a one of Metamorphos? Uh, he said he would. He sh he actually said like you could hear him talking to his opponents in cover or during coverage, where he said I probably should be playing at least one more of these. So his current lists have two. Oh, okay, that's just funny. I'm sorry. So, like the thing is, Metamorphose just makes this deck work, which is really weird to say. Yeah. Right. So like, it's a free cantrip in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. It fixes your mana, which allows him to hard cast Lingering Souls, because he only has a single white source in the entire deck. And it just puts an, an instant in your graveyard to make Bedlam Reveler better. Yep. Like, it just combos with everything else he's doing. And it's just, like, spontaneously the best card in the deck. Which is ridiculous. Like. Yeah. I think it's a thing of beauty, honestly. It, but. it is. It's pretty sweet. Now, like reading his article about this deck today was super interesting. Um, he actually goes over the whole Blood Moon thing. Uh, mm -hmm. He said he never Blood Mooned a single per person out of a game the entire Pro Tour, and he doesn't like the reason why he's running two Molten Rain in the sideboard instead of the other two Blood Moons is because um, Blood Moon is really bad in multiples. Molten mm -hmm. Rain is at least a shock. Yeah. So. Uh, apparently this deck is weak to Tron, which is not surprising. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, this deck's just cool. Yeah, that's like, cool. I, I, I honestly find... Like, I saw someone playing basically this list um, the night after the Pro Tour on Magic Online, and mm -hmm. the person, they were also playing a Godless Shrine as another white source, which I think is just kind of like, I think it's funny as like, a, they're trying to hedge because they wish they had more white sources in the deck. Yeah. And I think that's just disrespectful to the <laughs> the purity <laughs> of, the, of this deck. It's like, if you're gonna do it, just do it, right? <laughs> right, like, the thing is, like, they're hedging their bets unnecessarily, because there's so many ways to discard a Lingering Souls that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, 
Lil, it's a combo with Liliana. Quotations combo. It's a combo, absolutely, with Collective Brutality and Faithless Looting. Yeah. Like, you, you looting discard two Lingering Souls, you basically just spent one mana and drew two cards. Yeah, exactly. You're down nothing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that deck's, that deck's pretty sweet. Okay. Yeah, um... Ancestral Recall on a 3-4 Prowess for two red mana is powerful, in case anyone's yeah, wondering. Me- mediocre at best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Next in line is my personal favorite deck in the entire top eight, which was Pascal Vierne's Blue-Red Pyromancer. Because young Pyromancer is finally seeing his place in the sun after the banning of Treasure Cruise. Finally. Finally. Uh... For those who don't know, Young Pyromancer and Thing of the Ice are probably my two, like, most favorite two drops in Magic. Like, even over Snapcaster Mage. Really? You like Thing in the Ice? I love Thing in the Ice. I thought that was a card that annoyed you. Uh, it annoyed me. It annoys me when people play it when they're not playing decks that can take advantage of it. Okay, fair enough. Like, a lot of people jam it in decks. Like, I've seen people jam it... In, like, a teamer pseudo-combo deck that played teamer Battle Rage. And, like, Gutshot and Noxious Revival and Monastery Swift Spear. You do not play Monastery Swift Spear and Thing in the Ice in the same deck. Yeah. That is not how magic works. And a lot of people are kind of, like, hating on this deck because they're like, well, Young Pyromancer and Thing in the Ice are a Nambo, right? It's like, not really. Thing in the Ice is how you stabilize early. And then you upheaval, and then you start going off with Young Pyromancer. Like, yeah. Upheaval on a 7-8 body is pretty good, in case people are wondering. I mean, upheaval is pretty good, so... Yeah, upheaval's solid. Yeah. <laughs> this deck just looks like it's doing everything I ever want to do. Exactly. Which is, which is play two drops that care about me casting instants and sorceries, and then cast counter spells, draw spells, and lightning bolts. Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to like maybe like give a go at building a Delver deck recently, like blue like straight blue red or something like yeah. that. And this makes me wonder if it's possible and I'm also wondering if maybe I just shouldn't play Delver. I think yeah, I think you just play this deck. Like I want to play this deck cuz this feels like what I wanted to be doing with Blood Moon to some degree. Like yeah. and pl- playing it properly. <laughs> Spe- speaking of which, shout out he has no Blood Moons in his entire 75. I saw that, yeah. Which I also really respect, because he already has the the Field of Ruins, which helped mm-hmm. in that matchup. Yep. And Crumble to Dust and Molten Rain combo much better with Snapcaster Mage than Blood Moon does. Yes, this is true. Like, it just feels really good to flashback a Molten Rain on your opponent. <laughs> I, I've done it. It's a good feeling. That's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> but All right. cool. Next in line, Ken Yukihiro's Black Red Hollow One deck. This deck has actually gotten a little bit of hate from people, also. So, I'll be honest. I've never seen this deck before. No. I've never seen a tuned list of it, but I've seen versions of it. Okay. Basically, Hollow One is a powerful magic card, and people want to try and make it good so i've heard this deck referred to as being the most hearthstone thing you can possibly play in magic the most hearthstone thing (laughs) and i can't logically disagree with that statement uh burning inquiry and goblin lore 
are the most Hearthstone card you can possibly oh, find. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. Also, Goblin Lore is spiked. Like, it's like $10 for a non-foil right now. Jeez. And I actually, I've been meaning to go check my Goblin collection, because I actually might have one of these one of these in foil already, which is kind of funny. I'm never going to get rid of it, but I'm yeah. just curious if I have it, because due to its spiking, it means that it'll be harder for me to get for my collection when I eventually get to the point where I'm looking for it. Yeah. But... Okay. This deck is also kind of off the walls, batshit, insane, cool. So basically, it just plays like faithless looting cards that like you makes you like you draw cards, you discard a bunch of cards, and then you cast Hollow One or Grimag Angler or Tassiger or whatever. Yep. Flameblade Adept, what the shit? <laughs> oh, Flameblade Adept is actually a combo. I know. That's what I'm looking at. I'm like, what? So you go like this. So this card in this deck feels like sh sifting through a vintage list, and you're like, oh look, power, 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 origins, bulk rare, power, 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 power. Slash Panther. That, what the fuck, Slash Panther? They're doing it like. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this thing is glorious. Like, um, but it's 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 seriously a combo, right? So you go turn one flame yeah. blade adept, and then you go turn two burning inquiry. Play a play a mountain. Bring back your flamewake phoenix and serve for six evasion. <laughs> the wombo uh. combo. <laughs> like the fact that flameblade adept is seeing play when this card was like pseudo unplayable even in this in the format it was in because it just wasn't that good. Like, this is the this is the slash panther of modern. <laughs> uh, it's glorious. Like holy. Sh uh, like yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, man. I also really enjoy the big game hunter and grim lava mancers in the side sideboard. <laughs> big, big game hunter also a wombo combo with Burry and Goblin that's, Lore. If you get lucky. That's the wombo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even care if this deck's good. Well, it, it made top eight, so we'll give him credit for that. But this is it, this is. This is spicy. Yeah, it has the potential of being good if you get lucky. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, I'm all about getting lucky. I play a deck that wants to turn to Emrakuls, and I'm okay with this, so... My absolute favorite thing about this deck, that Goblin Lore was considered the card that, like, made this deck consistent. <laughs> <laughs> so the card, the card that makes you discard three cards at random is the card that made this deck consistent. Yeah, because it was Burning Inquiry five through eight. Oh my god! <laughs> also, it's it's card neutral. Yeah, because you're you're drawing four yep. and discarding three. Unlike Burning Inquiry, which is a draw three, discard three. Yep. And it's better when you're playing against counter spells because you don't discard as a cost. So Cathartic Reunion isn't good in this deck. Mm. Which is glorious. Goddamn. Oh, man. Goblin lore, man. Goblin lore pushed, pushed this deck over the edge. I, I love it when things like this happen, <laughs> I'll be honest. I love it when decks show up that are playing freaking Flameblade Adepts and Goblin Lores and stuff that's like... 
people couldn't get rid of out of their bulk boxes and now are like cards that are four ofs in a modern deck. Yeah, Flame Wake Phoenix was not playable in its standard set. Yeah. <laughs> but boy, howdy, oh. is it great in this deck. My god. Alright, let's 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 move on from the insanity. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to more insanity. Alright. Five color humans. This is basically four of dot deck, it looks like. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I actually kind of like that this deck made a top eight. Um, because this shows that this deck is not just a flash in the pan. I don't think this is, like, the best deck in Modern, which a lot of people did for a while. I think this deck is just really, really good in certain metagames. Okay. Like, this deck single-handedly makes it, like, really difficult to play Storm. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if you've read the card Meddling Mage and Thalia Guardian of Thraben. It's really hard for a Storm deck to beat those cards. Not to mention... I really, I, I'm really happy to see Meddling Mage. I agree. It's really cool. Like, I feel like that card just doesn't get the credit it deserves. Also, Kite Self Rebooter, the card that literally put this deck on the map. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> and then the the card that broke this deck this deck open as being phantasmal image. That's fascinating. I mean, when your deck's mono four ofs, what could be better? I, I get it. Yeah, what could be better than you know a fifth or sixth of them, right? Yeah, right. It's like, what's the best card in this matchup? Oh, guess what? I have eight of them. Yep. Like, <laughs> it's insane. Sideboard is generically boring, but you know, you're a creature. You're a cre You're a tribal based. Uh, creature deck in modern, so your choices are always going to be limited, right? But, yeah. you know, they still have a lot of, like, really nice, you know, one-ofs. The thing is, they just have no way of tutoring them up. But they're yeah. also playing for Phantasmal Image, so as long as they find one, yep, they're good. Yep, that's all you need. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's a cool deck. I like it. Yeah. Uh, okay. On to, you know, the epitome of Superman himself. <laughs> Reduke. Literally putting his money where his mouth is and top aiding with Obzon. I love how everybody else has like Lantern Control, Mardu Pyromancer, Blue Red, blah blah, and his is just Obzon. Yep. That's all you have to say. Like, there's no gimmicks here. It's like, we're just going to play three colors and good cards. <laughs> the best thing is what he's playing. He's only playing six white cards in the whole deck. Three in the main, three in the side. Lingering Souls. Obvi and say, obviously Silence. Lingering Souls. Yeah, lingering Souls is why you play Obzon. Oh yeah, definitely. And Stony Silence on the sideboard because it's the best artifact take card you can have in these colors. Yep. I actually but. really respect this because Reed is very, very, very much on the ideology that Fatal Push means you don't need to play Path anymore. And he mm -hmm. doesn't like having to play Path to Exile. Like... I mean, Path to Exile is a real cost. Yes, it very much is. And he just, like, you know, like, the two-for-one just isn't worth it. And Fatal Push made it viable to not need to play it anymore. And yep. this, the best thing about this is when Fatal Push was first printed and spoiled, there are certain people who were just, they were adamant that there is no way in hell that this card will ever replace Path to Exile or Lightning Bolt. It's <laughs> replaced both. Yep. Lightning Bolt is much less in this format than it ever used to be. Yeah. And Path is being replaced by it. So, 
feels good, man. Feels. I mean, fatal fatal push is the reason that we were able to make or that well that you were able to make that blue black list that I play now. Yes, absolutely. Like without fatal push, that deck does not function. Yeah, it, it you cannot play that deck. So, yeah, I just think this is sweet. I'm sad he kind of just got knocked out when he did so easy, so relatively easily. But he top aided. Yeah, he top aided. He lost to the <laughs> the black red hollow one deck because that deck is just ridiculously explosive. Yeah. But oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy. I'm happy he got a top eight. That's yeah. Reed's a good guy. It's always good to see him do stuff. <laughs> Next one's also interesting, the Traverse 5-color Death Shadow list. Huh. This <laughs> this one, it was actually really surprising. This is a throwback to old-school Death Shadow. Like, the combo variant that played Gitaxian Probe. Hmm. Like, he's just like, you know, who cares if I lose to Blood Moon? I'm just gonna play 5-colors. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. Still managed to fit a swamp and a forest in the deck, though, somehow. <laughs> I love it. Two basics. Two basics. Gotta be able to cast an Abrupt Decay on uh, Blood Moon. Yep, dang right. <laughs> your, two, your two basics five-color deck. Yeah. Like, that. That he has to have lost, like, at least a game because of that. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, here's the deal, though. If you, if you make this deck and you're like, this is what I'm playing, you're just like, I'm going to lose some percentage of games to Blood Moon, no, and I am okay with that. That's what I'm saying. I think he should have just gone yeah. all in. I don't think he should have played the Swamp and the Forest. Yeah, really? I don't know. Huh. I don't think he should have played both. I think he should have played the Swamp. I don't know. Okay, okay. Like, I, know. I just feel as if like you can get screwed over for having a basic and not being he able hedged, to tap for multiple. He hedged too much with one basic. <laughs> that's kind of my my philosophy like i could i know i could very I'm, well I'm be wrong. um being able to tap an undamaging basic can be very very relevant i've been in those situations before yep but i just feel like when you're playing a five color deck there's you just have to accept you're gonna lose to some stuff yeah like yeah totally the eidolon you know eidolon of the great revel dot deck is something you're just gonna lose to and you should accept yep. that Yes, you always should accept that you're just going to lose the decks that play Eidolon. Also, shout out to the Godless Shrine in the sideboard. <laughs> I, I love it when people play lands in their sideboard. The best part is he can get it with every single one of his fetch lands. Yeah. Like, that is his white splash. It's in the sideboard. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's his beauty always. And it's, like, only for lingering souls. Mm-hmm. Just, that's... I, I have to give some respect to that. I approve the, that. The only thing better than the non-basic in the sideboard is the spicy basic in the in the sideboard. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think the one thing better than the godless shrine in the sideboard is his hostage taker in the sideboard. Oh yeah. That's power. <laughs> the funny thing is, is the funny thing is, is like I didn't even notice it, but but that was the card that was highlighted when I was like looking at the list here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That card's hilarious <laughs> the card is actually really good and modern when lightning bolt is mm -hmm. a magic card oh yeah like it steals almost ever like it steals every creature and it can steal um uh ensnaring bridge oh relevant or a cranial plating also relevant <laughs> like god i would that would just be funny to steal a cranial plating 
If I had two extra black mana, too, I'd equip it to my Death Shadow. Alright, uh, and then the final top eight deck is Andrea Manguchi's Five Color Humans deck, which... Very similar-ish, Yeah, but... he changed one card. He's not, pl uh, yep. he's not playing a main deck Kessig Malcontents. He's playing a main deck Kithian Hero of Akros. Which one do you think is better? Kessig Malcontents. Okay. Here, like, I think the reach is very important, and Kith okay. Kithian just doesn't do that much. The main, th the main reason yeah. why he's playing it is because he just wants more one-drops, I think. The deck doesn't have that many, and curving out is very important with the deck, so... You're just mad that's a Gideon Planeswalker. Maybe. <laughs> you can prove nothing. I can prove nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, so realistically, like, that top eight is pretty diverse. Yeah, like, this top eight I mean, is like, glorious. The, the thing you could argue is that it's, like, mid-range heavy-ish, maybe. Yeah, but that there's... The, if that is your complaint about magic, you have a problem. Yeah, yeah you're, like... Yeah, you're complaining about how the $100 bill is folded. Yeah. Like, you should want... I, I mean, and to be fair, a, a, a mid-range deck didn't even win. <laughs> no, a prison deck did. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> Which I really wish people would stop calling it Lantern Control. Like, I, someone in chat today was actually saying, like, so... Like, someone's like, yeah, next thing you're going to tell me Atlantic Control isn't actually a control deck. And the guy's like, it's not a control deck. It's just called that because it sounds better than prison. Yeah. Which he's not wrong. Like, it is a prison deck. Yeah. So, I mean, so since we're on the topic, John, I mean, this is what everyone's looking at, right? Oh, yeah. So... Lan Lantern, Lantern is the big the big deal. Yeah. Because, it, because it's oppressive and took over the entire metagame and... Nothing else had a chance to shine. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, when I woke up, I decided to look at Twitter. So Foolish mortal. <laughs> before I even got to watch the rebroadcast, I already knew who won. Like, <laughs> there was so much salt going on in Twitter that I knew that Lantern Control won the Pro Tour. Which, fun fact, is the first time Mox Opal has ever won a Pro Tour. No shit. Yeah. And it wasn't even Affinity. So, some of the stuff that I saw... Um, Alright. Ephro's probably the biggest name that I've seen say something. And this is an actual quote that he said on Twitter. Not calling for bans on Lantern at this point is asinine. It is an extremely powerful deck that people choose not to play because it is so miserable. Truly horrible to watch and horrible for timed magic rounds where you have to prod your opponent to speed up or scoop. That is from Eric Froelich, Pro Tour Hall of Fame member. That is utter and complete f***ing bullshit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't care. So, continue, sorry. I don't care. Who the pro is. If they legitimately think that the best possible deck to be playing is Lantern Control, they will be playing Lantern Control. Because winning matters when your job is on the line. Right? Like, if Lantern Control is the difference between you making top 8 and you scrubbing out on day 1, you're going to play Lantern Control. Because you need a payday. Yep. That is how things work. 
like, and like the biggest thing about that that's just completely wrong from where he's coming from is a guy literally ran the goddamn numbers. Lantern, <laughs> Lantern Control had a single unintentional draw at the Pro Tour. One. Huh. One. One. Just one. The guy one. who won the Pro Tour did not have an unintentional draw. I think. Yeah. Maybe maybe he had one. Maybe he was the guy who had one. Either way, there weren't okay. any. All right. This led to another comment of the guy, a guy who was actually in chat. Uh, as I was watching the in, Twi- in Twitch in- chat, so this is a super good place to listen for stuff. In Twitch chat, a guy is complaining, and he says the phrase, it just takes more skill to pilot a real control deck like Grixis or Jeskai than hide behind ensnaring bridge and pretend someone is actually good at magic. This was by a man called Ghost White from Twitch chat. And this guy is a goddamn twat waffle for more reasons than just this comment. <laughs> uh, he is he is a man who is on record as saying Watsy will get rid of the reserve list as one like right before they're about to close down as one last money grab. <laughs> right. So he's okay. one of those people. Okay. Uh would you like to know the deck that had the most number of unintentional draws at the Pro Tour? Burn. Uh incorrect. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I know. Right. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> Cryptic Command X. Really? They had the overwhelming majority of unintentional draws were decks that contained the card Cryptic Command in at least three of. Really? I guess that doesn't surprise me too much, because usually those are control decks of some type. Yes. They're control decks. They're, ma- they're played by people who really, really, really don't want to make a mistake because then it makes them feel dumb and they're playing a deck that makes them feel smart. Yes. I play a control deck. I know this. <laughs> so. I end up feeling dumb a lot more than <laughs> more than often than not. <laughs> everything about this guy's statement is also wrong. Yeah. The fact is that your quotation's hiding behind the next staring bridge has, like, you know, no impact on what you had to do to get to the point of hiding behind scent and snaring bridge. Right? Right. Like, getting into the lantern lock is actually difficult. Knowing Mm -hmm. what you need to do when your opponent is in the lantern lock is actually difficult. You need to understand the format. Mm -hmm. Like, I borrowed lantern control to a guy last night. He went 2-1-1 with it. But, like, he lost games because... He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what was scary. Yeah. Like, it, the, the deck rewards you for knowing, like, as we've said before with a lot of decks, similar, similar to control, about knowing what your opponent is doing and wants to do and what the format is doing. Yes. Like, it is extremely important for that. Mm-hmm. So... So the funny thing I heard too is, is um, I was on Reddit reading some stuff about it too, just to see what people thought. And I read a, uh, a post by I don't I don't remember who it was or what exactly they said, but basically they said they're like they're like I'm actually really happy with how they covered Lantern because they did not, you know, kind of what you said in our preview episode. They they actually covered it as instead of Lantern's the bad guy and how is this person going to get out of it, they covered it as okay. 
what lines does Lantern need to make to get into the lock? How can they navigate this? How can they, you know, and, and played it up that way and it made it far more interesting. Also, people conceded when they got into the lock, but... <laughs> yeah, the only person so. who I didn't see concede when they were in the lock was the guy who was in top eight. Yeah. I don't remember... Which we'll allow that. <laughs> I think it was the... the um, uh, the Death Shadow guy. He yep. did not concede until he was milled. Which, okay. fair, you're in the top eight of the Pro Tour. You make yeah, you're not timed them, there either, I don't you think. You make them kill you. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that is that is your God-given right, and not even I will judge you for that. Yeah. And, and we're judgmental. Yes. <laughs> like, that is your absolute right, and that is what you should do because it's the goddamn Pro Tour top eight. Yes. But only the top eight is, uh, gets a... Uh, justification yeah. of this. Every, everyone else can deal. Yeah. Um, one of the big comparisons that I've seen people make in regards to Lantern is comparing it to Eggs. Because Eggs wasn't banned due to it being oppressive or due to it being um, all over the place. Eggs was banned because it made tournaments run longer than they should. Yep. A lot of people blame Lantern for making tournaments run longer than they should. That is wrong, also, for many reasons. The thing about eggs is eggs could take a 20-minute turn. And they were incentivized to wait as long as possible before they started to go off. Because they could take a 20-minute turn and still whiff, couldn't they? Yes. (laughs) So they would wait until turn four of turns and then try and go off. Yeah. Holy shitballs. Yeah. Like a turn a turn for lantern doesn't actually take that long. They need a lot of turns, especially when their opponent makes them mill them out. But yeah. it doesn't actually take that long for them to actually go through the actions of their turn. And eventually, mm-hmm. once everything gets going with lantern, you're milling five to six cards a turn. It doesn't take that long for them to finally kill you. I mean, it's more like, it's similar to a, like a Drago control sort of thing more than anything. I mean, prison decks are like this, you know, like that, where it's like, your turn is basically draw a card, go. Yep. <laughs> and, and your opponent has everything in their lap. Yep. Like, so that, that is, it's like Lantern, the Lantern player is almost never the reason why the turn, why the match goes long. It's the, it's the opponent not conceding out of some weird justification in their mind of they don't need to concede because they're not dead i mean hey sometimes you get crazy things in your in your head because today i almost didn't concede to a lethal carnage carnage tyrant because that card's unplayable garbage garbage and i didn't want my opponent to think that i was conceding because that was a carnage tyrant (laughs) which is fair so sometimes you have to send people get their own People get their things. Yeah. Um, another interesting complaint that I saw people make is they're using the existence of Lantern Control as a justification for why they should unban Jace the Mind Sculptor. That seems like the exact opposite. Yes. Like, so... Alright, so I, I'll be honest. I don't really have as good of a handle on all this stuff as you do. But... Jace feels far more dirtily than Lantern. 
Yeah, so that's something that a lot of people don't seem to comprehend about Jace the Mind Sculptor. Is Not at all. Do you, so, do you understand the basic concept of how Lantern wins? Uh, yeah, base, very basic concept, yeah. So it, basically, basically, you get to kind of get an in-steering bridge lock and mill the shit off the top of their deck, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's a deck of incremental advantages. Yep. You very, very slowly lock your opponent into a position where they have no outs and they're dead. Mm-hmm. Do you know how Jace the Mind Sculptor wins a game of Magic? Brainstorm. You very, very slowly work yourself into a position where you're having a bunch of little advantages over your opponent until you eventually lock them out and you win. It's the exact same thing as the lantern lock. That is how Jace the Mind Sculptor wins a game of Magic. I know, I've lost to it way more times than I think is reasonable. (laughs) That card's good. Yeah. Actually, I lost to Pernicious Deed, and that was just the card that he chose to beat me with after he resolved Pernicious Deed multiple times against me. But it feels bad, Shrug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Jace the Mind Sculptor is just as annoying and miserable to lose to as Lantern is. If anyone thinks I'm wrong about that, I beg of you, play against someone who has a resolved Jace the Mind Sculptor. And untaps with it. And tell me yeah. if it's not the most miserable thing you've ever experienced in your life. I, I can tell you playing Jace and getting to untap with it feels great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason I play Blue in Legacy. This is one of them. Also Brainstorm. Yep. <laughs> um, just along those lines... I would like to have a little mini rant. A lot of people are saying that Lantern wouldn't be a problem if Watsi gave them a real counter spell in Modern. <laughs> so, so the Cryptic Command decks can go to time more. Yeah. So, for example, <laughs> I uh... saw someone say the words, they should literally let me play actual factual counter spell in Modern you're high it already exists it's called logic knot yeah logic knot is the most fair two mana counter spell i think they've ever actually printed because it's good early you can easily counter a two drop if you're on the play because Mm -hmm. you, you you're playing a control deck in modern you're probably playing fetch lands yep it's good late because your graveyard's full of spells or you turn one serum missions too. Yeah, like there's so many ways to make Logic Knot into actual counterspell that anyone who says Logic Knot is not good enough is just wrong. Yeah. Like it'd be really good if they made a card, you know, like like this one, it's blue blue X, you know, and it's basically blue blue for a counterspell. If they made a card that you could like draw three cards or something that had delve, that'd be cool too. Yeah, I mean that's clearly delve isn't strong enough, right? It's just innately too weak. So they yeah, can just the they can freely just make some something have it an insane colorless mana cost and have delve and it'll be perfectly balanced. That's a joke. They banned treasure cruise in modern. Yeah. And legacy. Yep. And restricted it in vintage. Yep. <laughs> and dig through time. Also and dig through in time. all those formats. 
I also saw someone say that they should reprint that they should reprint days for modern. This hmm. is less of a disagreement. I don't necessarily think days would be bad in modern. Like I think Force Spike would be okay. I was gonna say if I want anything, I want Force like, Spike. Force Spike would be okay. It would be annoying, yeah. but people would eventually. I'd get a kick yeah, out of it. People would eventually learn how to play around it, right? Yeah. I don't think people fully appreciate how bad Days is with Shocklands. <laughs> like uh. atrociously bad with Shocklands. If I cast yeah. like a Rift Bolt at my opponent and they daze it and return their Hallowed Fountain to their hands that they fetch and shocked for already, uh-huh. I'm happy. Yeah. It's like, okay, they prevented one damage from your Rift Bolt. Yeah. Basically. I, and then there was also the obligatory Watsi should print Force of Will and Modern. No. <laughs> if you... So... Let Legacy be Legacy. If you print Force of Will, Modern becomes shitty Legacy. I mean, it already kind of is shitty Legacy. The thing is... For- no, no, it's not shitty Legacy because, like, even shitty Legacy is fun. And modern just sucks. True. Also, force of will would be terrible in modern. Yeah. You get paired. It would not be. You as get good. paired up against the the Thoughtseize Tarmogoyf deck, and you have force of will in your deck. You just feel bad. Or or how about this? You get paired up against Affinity. It's, uh, actually, Affinity is actually the one place where it might be okay. Really? Because it's like. I feel like it's like empty my hand turn one. It's like uh, okay. All right, so this <laughs> you're still dead. You're still dead. Yeah, but this is the justification against affinity. I don't think I think you should board loud against affinity, but I think it has the potential of being okay. A lot of affinity hands have one powerful quotation card in it, and if you can stop that, you can maybe buy a turn or two before they get out of hand. And there's a lot of t- since, since you said buy a turn or two, I'll allow yeah, it. There's a lot of time where like you're staring at an opening hand with two Cerevisions, your opponent goes turn one, Dark Steel Citadel, Ornithopter, Springleaf Drum, uh Memnite, Signal Pest Go, and you're like, I'm never gonna be able to cast both of these Cerevisions. Yeah, because I will be just dead. If I I, I place I play Island cast it, and then by the time my second island hits the battlefield, I'm yeah. <laughs> Like, there's a world where if they do that, and you just force of will that signal pest... You get to cast both those cards and then die on the turn after that. Yeah, but it bought you a turn, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying, yeah. like... I like, still don't I'm just think making it's... sure we're dealing with the correct degrees yes, here. Like, I, I'm not... Like, you're not saying it's a good card in the matchup. You're saying it's like, this card is not absolutely atrocious. Yes. Okay. That is, that's I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Yeah. All right. But no, we don't, like let modern be modern. Yeah. People need to stop wanting to. If you want to play legacy, buy into legacy. Yes. Yeah, just, it's expensive. Deal with it. So yeah, nut up and deal. <laughs> uh, just continuing on the lines of interesting little things that I saw people point out. Um, okay. Chris Bakula really, really hates ancient stirrings. Why? I don't know what his actual reasoning is. It knows what it did. <laughs> like, pretty much, but like, he's always wanted Ancient Stirrings banned. 
And oh, like before this before even? Before this, Chris Bakula has wanted it gone. He's wanted it gone for, I think he said, two years. Hmm, okay. He just doesn't like Ancient Stirrings as a magic card. At least he's consistent. Yeah, like he's... I if what if I trust one person not to be a bandwagoner, it'd be Chris, Chris Pakula. Yeah, he has some really awkward taste in music, but he's a generically good guy. <laughs> but this led to okay. a really interesting thing because there's a lot of people who are also on the bandwagon of they should ban ancient stirrings, but they're wrong because of their reasoning. Okay, this is basically like. So this this is like a podcast of me calling the world wrong, pretty much, which is just great. That's what we. That's basically what we yeah. do. So, people think ancient stirrings should be banned because ponder and preordain are also banned. Okay. That's absolutely and completely stupid. Okay. Yeah. The only reason, the only criteria to play ponder and preordain is to have islands in your deck yep ancient stirrings is nowhere near the power level of ponder i do not like (laughs) no 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 anyone who thinks it is has never cast a ponder no ponder casting a ponder feels good like you cast a ponder when you're playing legacy and then you go and play modern and you cast a serum visions you're like i wish this was a ponder (laughs) pretty much but the thing, like the thing about ancient strings and why I think ancient strings is perfectly fine and fair, even, is it forces you into a very, very specific deck building restriction. Mm-hmm. It can. You have to be playing green, and you have to have colorless cards. Yes, you have to be playing green and colorless cards that are worth getting. That mm-hmm. is like yes, the decks that play it take very, very large amounts of advantage out of that card. It is a but, very and you know what I part of the thing with that too is is that people people freak out when the restriction on the card is in deck building. Like look at Delver, how many people hate Delver. Yeah. Like the restriction on Delver is not that like they they see it and they're like, oh it's a one mana, you know, super efficient evasive threat. And it's like, no, you have to build your deck in a specific way to make it work. Same thing with a card like this. Yes. Like it's it's not just a free roll in every deck. It's mm-hmm. a free roll in the decks that do run it because they built it to be able to run that. That is not why the deck card is good, though. Yep. As I said, the restriction comes at deck building, yes. not, de- not during the game. And people just need to learn and accept that because, Jesus Christ... Like, it... All I hear when I see people say it should be banned because Ponder is banned is I see someone throwing a temper tantrum because (laughs) someone else gets to have, like, you know, whipped cream on their Sunday, and they just get to have ice cream. (laughs) It's like, you're a... I approve approve this metaphor. (laughs) You're a goddamn child. Like, that's all that amounts to. Like, yes, because someone else doesn't... Like, if someone doesn't get to play with it, I Or if I don't get to play with it, they shouldn't be able to either. Yeah, like, fair enough. No, there is a deck building <laughs> restriction. A very, yep. very large one. Ancient Steerings mm-hmm. is very good in Tron. Ancient Steerings is very good in Lantern. It's very bad in every other deck. <laughs> yeah. You don't see Affinity yep. playing Ancient Steerings, and they're. Yep. They are. They're playing all colorless yeah. cards, right? It, it would basically always hit. Yeah, exactly. 
mean, like, cho cho taking your pick out of the top five would be pretty damn good in Affinity, too, because there's a lot of chaff mm -hmm. after turn one for them. Yep. And it's just, like, I just, I hate that argument from people, and I just don't want to get into it with people, because I try to avoid arguments, yeah. which is shocking. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, All right. people, what's wrong with them? Yeah. So do you have any other any other thoughts about the modern Pro Tour? Alright, so one final comment about the Pro Tour. I commented on this in the last episode that Finkel broke my heart. <laughs> Poor Finkel. So <laughs> this hurts me too, actually. <laughs> like I feel really sad. As I pointed out Well one, he got ninth place on Breakers. N ninth place so close but as I pointed out humans has a really good matchup against storm uh -huh. freakishly good matchup against storm yeah. and I'm pretty sure Finkel was aware of this and his team probably expected humans to show up no one expected humans to show up as much as it did it was the most popular deck at the pro tour that, that is kind of a surprise By like a full percentage which doesn't sound like much, but it's a lot. <laughs> Mr. Finkel decided to play Tron. Mono green, <laughs> specifically. Uh. And this just makes me sad. On a spiritual level. I feel as if this is a personal affront to me as a person. <laughs> because seriously... The man is the most skilled magic player of all time. And Fact. Tron, while not as bad as I always give it shit for, is not a skill-intensive deck. It is extremely simple. There's, there's, there's play to it. You know, Tron is probably next on my list of decks to play, just to, so I can say I've played every deck in Modern. Once I finally de-sleeve Lantern. You gotta play one more deck in Modern also after you play that. You're not my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try it. Okay. Like, <laughs> it just... I was saddened when I saw that Finkel played Tron. And that's, that's basically <laughs> it. Having, having that conversation when you told me kind of made my heart hurt a little like, bit. <laughs> Because I feel like, I feel like, like your dad promised you that he would take you to the baseball game, and then never showed up. Yeah, like, like <laughs> is what it felt it's like. Just, it's just sad, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I mean, I like the list. The list is cool, right? Like, I think World Breaker is a sweet magic card. He's got a main deck spatial contortion, which is actually really sweet. Like, his sideboard's, you know, generic, boring stuff. Modern. Like, but as a whole, it's like, yeah. Alright, this deck's okay. And then you look at the guy who played it, and you're like, all is not right with the world. All is definitely not right with the world. I don't think he would have done better with Storm. Not by any stretch. Like I said, there's a lot of humans. Storm is a very bad matchup for humans. I don't think it's worth him putting in the trying to figure out how to make that a winnable matchup 
because you probably lose. Uh -huh. You'll lose points other places. Yeah, and I don't. The deck can't afford that, can it? No. Like storm. You don't want to start main decking answers to humans because then you just kind of, you know, you don't have the consistency yeah. of actually winning. So. Yeah. And you need that yeah. a lot of times, but. I mean, here's the deal. Like, Finkel, just... It's really nice if you let other people have top eights for once. <laughs> you, you got enough of a man. You've made the Hall of Fame twice over, at least. Like, <laughs> He's got to work on that fourth or third, yeah. depending uh, on who you ask. Yeah, like... I think he's, he's working on his third because I don't think he's... I don't think Magic as a game has been around long enough for him to pass the... Uh, amount of time playing magic requirements oh really i think the requirements like i think it's like 10 years or something isn't it is it actually less than that yeah, i i have no i have no idea what it is it's a long time it's really it's really nice of him to to do that for people though yeah. and let let some of these young kids get their their top eights and stuff like that and, he's basically like yeah. the old school wrestling veteran right where, like, you, you always go out on your shield so you can put the guy who beat you over. That's yep. basically what he's doing. That's, he's just, just giving him, let, letting the new blood take over. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, can we, just, can we just stop and say, though, that, like, this dude has been playing for freaking ever. And just got ninth. Yep. Like, that's insane. Yep. Like. I know we I know we basically sit around and blow Finkel all day like on our podcast, but like the dude is literally the best person to play magic. Yeah. Like he, he is just that good and it's just it's still I like I get people like how good some of those players are when they were good, if that makes sense. Like but there's certain players that have been good that stay relevant so long yeah. that and, and those are the people that are the true greats. Like, and, and Finkel is just on top of that mountain. Like, yeah, absolutely, right? Like, there's always those people who just kind of, like, thrive in a certain time period. But Finkel, mm -hmm. and to a less extent, but he does deserve to be in this conversation, Paulo, yeah. are just consistently good. Like, I don't give Paulo, yeah. a, a, like, a lot of respect when I talk about great Magic players. I don't like his personality, but... He's good. Very, like, you gotta give him yeah, that. I very, very much respect his actual skill at magic, though. Yeah. He's goddamn. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, I don't know. But just throwing that out there. But all right, man, we've been. I think I think we've covered what we want to cover, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty much. I think. As a whole, I think this was a good. I think this was actually good for the pro tour. It it was interesting. I mean, there were new cards in the top eight, which is cool. Yep. Literal Ixalan like, cards were in the top eight. Yeah, like main deck even yeah. <laughs> as a four of. <laughs> um, you know, the old school, been around forever. Green black rock deck was also in the top eight, so you even got that covered. Yep. You had pseudo combo in there. You had prison in there. You had control in there. It was a little bit of everything. That was cool, but I mean, and I don't like modern, so that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, any, yeah, I suppose any last thoughts, John? 
Stop bitching about modern. That's that. People need to stop bitching about modern. Whether you like it no. or hate it. Terrible format. Stop I'm bitch about trying it. to get cards banned because you don't like them. Oh. Yeah, I'm never going to try to get cards banned because that's stupid. Yeah, you just won't play the format. Dude, I, as I said, I was the one who was like, oh yeah, Treasure Cruise is fine in Legacy, you shouldn't ban it. Yeah. I still kind of think that. <laughs> I think... It, I'm wrong, it, but I still kind of think that. It wasn't given enough time to see if the format would check itself out. Yeah. And I think Legacy would have. Yes. That is... That is Mo Modern just cries till it gets banned. Yeah, Legacy and Vintage <laughs> are known for adapting. Yep. Modern is not. No. Because you're all a bunch of cryy little millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the shade. The shade is real. Mm. I thought I thought I was going to be the one who would say something extremely controversial this podcast, but I guess not. Yeah, so if you want to send us some feedback, shoot us an email at thelocalmedheadgmail.com. You can catch us on Twitter and tell me how wrong I am at thelocalmedapc. John, do you have anything else? Nope. Cool. <laughs> all right, all right, everybody. If you're not pissed off at me because I said something that hurt your feelings. We'll catch you next time. See ya. <laughs>